Welcome to Poldark Podcast, a fan-created podcast about the hit show Poldark, and we are your hosts. I'm Michelle, I live in the States. You can find me on Tumblr at Poldark Muses, and I tweet at Musings. Hi, Delonda here, I live in France, I Tumblr at Britishly So and tweet at Delonda Dia. Hi, I'm Rita, I live in England, I'm on Tumblr at Princess of Poldark, and I tweet at Rita Bites. In this week's podcast, we'll be recapping and discussing episode 3 of season 4, which aired this previous Sunday on BBC One. So, spoiler warnings, if you have not seen this week's episode yet, you can find it on iPlayer or wherever you download your shows. Give it a watch before continuing with our podcast. First things first, let's start with the recap. Woo! <laughs> this week's episode begins in a very clean-looking Georgian-era London, with Ross walking the spotless streets towards the old palace of Westminster, where he begins his new life as a member of Parliament. Hooray! Woo! What follows is a montage of letters that Ross and Demelza send backwards and forwards for approximately a year. I mean, who can tell? I mean, this is hashtag product time. But in this montage, Ross gives a speech on criminal justice and the abolition of slavery. Meanwhile, Demelza bakes and mines and stares wistfully out onto the Cornish landscape, pining for her man. Over at the mines, Sam picks up a lump of rock and shakes his head. Oh no, we've seen that face before. They take the matter to Demelza, who is now the de facto boss. The champion loads were an unexpected thing. It looked safe for now on five or more years, but now, if it peter out as we think it will, we might have to close within months. I think I must write to Ross. But what can he do? And at such a distance. The greater matters than we to busy yourself. I'll write to him. I'm sorry, feminist Demelza can't come to the phone right now. Why? Oh, cause Debbie killed her. <laughs> Back in London, Ross is out on the town. He pops down to Baz Luhrmann night at Vauxhall Gardens and meets up with Geoffrey <laughs> Charles. Geoffrey Charles is now seven foot tall and wearing a hat so small it would make Robin Ellis proud. <laughs> they cheer to Francis. R.I.P. Francis. R.I.P. R.I.P. Francis. Yes. But we are soon interrupted by two women, one of whom has amazing pink hair. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, Ross invites the strange-ass women back to his rooms, offers them a drink, and then proceeds to turn them down when they offer him sexy times. Round of applause! He Woo! finally kept it in his pants! Woohoo! Huzzah! Yeah. Huzzah! <laughs> also, in London, now despite being in Cornwall five minutes ago, hashtag Poldark Time, George meets up with... Captain Monk Adelaide, from right honourable member for Bishop's Castle, a place I have never seen, nor ever intend to. How may I assist you? They bond over their shared working class background and determination to social climb. He suggests to George that instead of seeking a patron and buying a seat, that he simply become a patron himself. Simples. Cut out that middleman. Lord Falmouth encourages Ross to go home, secure another montage of his journey. Horsey, horsey, galopy, galopy, whatever. He wakes up in the carriage with everyone's worst nightmare. 
Ozzy Whitworth. Yeah. He's seeking the living of a place we can't pronounce and it is willing to do Ross a favor in return. Ross says he would agree if Ozzy were to increase Reverend Odger's salary to a hundred pounds. Why would I pay half to an uneducated curate? Because he does all the work. <laughs> That's far too reasonable. Listen carefully for how this ends up totally screwing Ross over. So Ross then arrives home in Ampara and immediately pulls everything up with Demelza. You look thinner. Perhaps I've been pining for my husband. <laughs> so, what have you been up to? <laughs> well, see into your mind, uh, your farm, your household, your your children. That's what I've been up to. Awkward. Next time, Ross, maybe start with something like, You look great, Demelza. I've missed you. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> he goes into the house and gives his kids a hug and a kiss. And oh, it's so sweet. See, when Ross isn't talking, he's just fine. Just <laughs> fine. Well, Caroline goes into labor and gives birth to a beautiful baby girl. They name her Miss Sarah Caroline Ennis. It's so freaking cute, peoples! I love Dwight's little nose nuzzle that he does every time he kisses her. It's just freaking adorable. <laughs> it's night at Nampara, and things remain awkward between Romelza. Ross tells her he stayed away for fear he would be competing with Hugh's shadow. But Demelza tells him that that has all passed and that all the months apart were nothing. Great. Seems like something you could have sorted out a year ago, but, you know, moving on. Uh, the next morning, Ross goes for a splash in the ocean and bumps into Topless Dwight. Hashtag swoon. Uh, Dwight shares the good news about the baby Sarah and the two wander off for a spot of day drinking. It's like 6 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> But he just had a kid. Come on. Did Ross just have a kid? <laughs> no. Dwight just had a kid. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> anyway, over at Casa Ozzy, his mother, the delightful Rebecca Frost, pays Morwenna a call and has an amazing first line of dialogue. Good heavens, why is that child playing? <laughs> and, suddenly, <laughs> and suddenly, Ozzy makes so much more sense now. Mm -hmm. She insists that Morwenna hire a governess. Dude, Morwenna was the governess like four episodes ago, but anyway. Morwenna's sister, Rowella, meanwhile, is living in a leaky house with chairs and everything, and curtains and stockings and everything. If only there was some way to augment her income. So she writes to Ozzy and offers herself up. Ozzy jumps on the opportunity, of course, to lick someone else's feet and uses Nat Pierce's gal as an alibi. While on his deathbed visit, Nat Pierce confesses to embezzling funds from his clients and squandering them on bad investments. George dashes back to Cornwall again. Just in time for Ozzy to come to him with information about Nat Pierce. It seems Pierce's lost funds were deposited at Pasco's bank. Cute evil smirk from George and Uncle Carrie. <laughs> Ozzy trades that info in exchange for an extra parish living. Hashtag evil always wins. George explains to his uncle that he wants to buy a borough. His response is thus. 
Well, you're out of your mind. <laughs> <laughs> but as George explains, it's actually quite sensible. Because if George owns property, he owns voters and can dispense patronage and appointments, giving out favours in exchange for even more power and influence. Brace yourself, Cornwall. George's evil empire is coming. He and Elizabeth decide to host a huge party so that George can bribe someone from the Cornish aristocracy for one of their boroughs. Ross returns to the mine to find that his, quote, band of brothers are more like a band of distant cousins who are giving him the stink eye. After <laughs> spending a year away, they think he is too la-di-da to know how to run a mine anymore. He suggests digging through to the old wheel maiden load, and despite everyone's reluctance to follow the, quote, outsider, oh my god, it's his mine, he gets his way and gets back to mining. So instead of showing us Demelza running the mine in this episode, we get to watch her pour tea for Verity and trying to match make Drake and Rosina. Hashtag not your feminist, Demelza. Sam even gets involved in the shipping, but Drake remains... <laughs> remains steadfast to Morwenna, despite all common sense and even has another flashback at the at the well he visited with her. Anyway, Dwight holds baby Sarah while ominous music plays and every viewer's heart sinks. It's currently unclear what the prognosis is with baby Sarah, but Dwight spends the rest of the episode looking devastated, so we better brace ourselves here. It's Geoffrey Charles' turn to pop down from London like he's popping to the shops. He has arrived for the Willegan house party and has a cutie scene with his Aunt Verity. It is very cute. Uh, back at Nampara, Demelza encourages Ross to go hang out with his friends down at the beach. When he shows up instead of fishing, there appears to be a brawl going on. Come, Ross! Crockers from Lug and then beating the life out of Dolly on account of the winner Crocker. Who? Who Dolly did bad. Turns out she ain't a winner. Mr. Crocker's none too pleased nor his brother, so I'm going to solve for help. No time. Ninja Ross springs into action and takes down one, two, four, ten men all by himself. Actually, it was six men. Not an exaggeration. I counted them. Six men. Six men. And he never takes a punch. Ross is apparently Neo. <laughs> he is the chosen one! <laughs> yes, he is! Actually, he does have that, that real flowy coat thing, so, you know, oh, that yeah. would actually look pretty good in that. It's Demelza that... Trinity. It'll make sense now. Yeah, it does. <laughs> anyway, um, Ross rolls over an unconscious Thali, and uh, initially they think he's dead, which I have to admit I was kind of hoping for. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know. Anyhow, Tholly wakes up and then everybody celebrates by going down to the pub. Yay! Ross is one of the gang again. Lots, lots, lots. Nothing like a good brawl to restore one's esteem with one's mates. George's party is a big success. Everyone is there, including Monk Adderley, who introduces him to Sir Christopher Hawkins, who immediately brings up George's blacksmith's roots. George just juts out his, his chin and proudly tells him that his grandfather's forge was in the same day. Sir Hawkins then proceeds to offer him one of his three, three borrows. Yay, it's all coming up, George. Drake, ever the king of bad ideas 
tells Ross he should go have a nightcap at Trenwith. Ross acts a damn fool and actually goes up there. <laughs> so he, of course, bumps into Elizabeth outside and they have a little chat about Geoffrey Charles's teenage ennui and reminisce about Francis. R.I.P. Francis. R.I.P. Before they're interrupted by this slimy Monk Adelaide. Ugh. Ross and Monk are introduced and it's clear they're like oil and water. Ross finally makes it home where Demelza is folding laundry. We get it. She's domestic. Ross tells her we, he went to see Trenwith, i.e. Elizabeth. You don't suspect an attachment there still? No more than you suspect my attachment to Hugh. Except you do still suspect. I cannot compete with a ghost. No more could I compete with an ideal. Is that why it happened with Hugh? To teach me a lesson? You know it was not. These shadows. Hugh and Elizabeth. Do we not have enough to grapple with without they come between us? Ross then hands Demelza some earrings and helps put them in her ears. It looks sexier than it sounds, trust me. Are we strangers still? Yes. But strangers who know every inch of each other's skin. So perhaps we should begin again from there. Ross then tosses aside the pile of laundry and pulls her up onto the table. They then proceed to Bone Town, Population 2. Poor Jeremy and Clowence. They actually eat there, where Garrick also appears to make his slobbery presence known, too. <laughs> Somebody hand me some cleanser. <laughs> <laughs> the end. Okay, so did you guys like this episode? Not as much as last week's episode, I have to say. It felt like a bit of a filler episode. No real substance and no overarching plot, really. More like a collection of scenes than an actual episode. And while some of those scenes were pleasant, uh, these storylines were barely started and they were just skimmed right over. I need the emotional highs and lows of something like Caroline and Dwight's daughter being born and the subsequent tragedy of her illness to be explored in more depth than, than what we got. Uh, yeah, I'm hoping that they do that storyline justice in next week's episode because it was clearly not done to my satisfaction. Um, you know, and from the preview, it seems to happen really quickly. Um so hopefully it's not another missed opportunity in Carolite's story. Uh, that said, I like this episode more than last week's, which seems to be the norm for us when it comes to these episodes. <laughs> Rita doesn't like it. Michelle kind of likes it. <laughs> well, um, personally, call me easy to satisfy, but uh, again, I thought it was uh, quite an enjoyable episode. Um, I, it still felt like a bunch of things happened between, you know, we had Ross in London, then his uh, instant return to Cornwall with Demelza running the, the mine business, and then we had Dwight and Caroline becoming parents, all the world and shenanigans, Ozzy Whitworth, and of course the introduction of this uh, new guy played by uh, Max Bennett. <laughs> uh, but I get you, girls, because you know the books pretty well. And uh, so you might feel the plot is not moving quickly enough uh, for the amount of story to adapt, because I think the books are getting um, 
bigger and bigger. So they they do they do. Um, and you know, yeah, I acknowledge that it's going to be impossible for them to to fit to fit all of the depth and complexity that we saw within the the books um, onto the show. But uh, I am getting a little tired of this kind of pebble skipping across the surface of the pond kind of thing that we see happening a lot with the substantive storylines and and then spending a ridiculous amount of time with things like, you know, <coughs> Drake and more women. <laughs> <laughs> Such so. an easy target at this point. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. So did the show just blow its entire budget on the Vauxhall Garden scene? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god maybe maybe um and i mean it was gorgeous and really showed the the decadence of london um you know that ross refers to when he's back at home and demelza asks him about london and he says pampered um you know that gives you a little taste of maybe what life was like but lord i hope they still have enough enough ca- enough cash to do what needs to be done justice because there is a lot that needs to be done yeah it was obviously a very expensive scene to shoot but in my opinion still managed to fall a little flat for me i mean i have very high standards and expectations when it comes to voxel gardens so that might be part of it a handful of extras and some fire breathers don't really cut it i mean i would expect to see that place packed it just ended up disappointing me it, like if you can't hire a crowd of people then just simply move the location of the scene to somewhere else because that wasn't a representation of voxel at all um not i am obviously you know yank here um, have there been much in the way of significant moder- modernizations from the period that would have precluded the actual use of Vauxhall? Um, help us yeah. just out. Well, Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens no longer exists. It was basically shut down in the early 1800s when the owner became bankrupt. So most of the land there was turned into like buildings in the early 20th century and although there is a small public park in the area there's no longer anything that would resemble Vauxhall Gardens anymore which is a shame because it sounds boss like (laughs) what a good time (laughs) (laughs) okay so moving on why was Verity in this episode and did you think this was the best use of Ruby Bentall Ah, we could always have more Ruby Verity in the mix. Always, always, always. I really enjoyed the scenes we had with her and Elizabeth, as well as the ones we had with her and Demelza. Uh, It shows how she fits in uh, with both households and enjoys both of them very much. Um, But I think she may have uh, made claim to the segue crown from Caroline for Series 4, although not by much. Uh, if this week's Carolite involvement was anything to gauge it by. And, you know, people, Richard Harrington is finished up with Hinterlands, damn it. Let's get Andrew Blamey back for a guest shot. Yes. I'm well, just saying. I'm the world's biggest fan of his wife murdering ass. Um, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I hashtag never forget. I slightly feel like I can't be pleased because last season, remember, I was complaining that Verity was taking up screen time in that episode 
where she was trying to find out information about the blaming ship. She took screen time away from Caroline in her guest appearance. And to be fair, she was given a lot of angst that should have been spent on Caroline. But this episode, she wasn't given any storyline. And it seemed kind of superfluous to the episode. I think we need to find some kind of happy medium between steal plots from actual cast members and does almost nothing. No, I think it's mainly because Maymop screen, uh, they love Ruby and uh, they really care about having her at least once per season, even if it's there's not necessarily a plot surrounding uh, Verity, um, which I think is a shame because she has such a generous talent. Um, and also, I think it's a great reminder that she still exists. Like, she didn't <laughs> leave the Paul Dark family and never came back. So I think it's a nice uh, touch to add um, every year. And um, since she was there, though, I would have loved to know how old her child is now. Because, you know, hashtag Paul Dark time. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Who knows? Because, <laughs> you know, who knows how old he is? Speaking of one of the kids, Jeffrey Charles has returned two feet taller. I oh mean, God. damn! He was towering over Elizabeth. Yeah, actually bonkers that they expect me to believe Kyda <laughs> Reed has a grown-ass child at her age. Like, my eyes just refuse to believe it. I just, I just, I look at it and I do not understand. Um, <laughs> they really seem like brother and sister. Mm-hmm. And Oh my god, the new Jeremy with curly hair rejoined. Yeah. Uh, Yay. But he looks low-key homeless now. What is going on with that kid's grooming, Demelza? Sort hey, it out. She she's been busy, you know, running the mine and, and taking care of the fields and Okay then you know, Prudy, what are you doing? Like there we drinking go. tea all day long. And letting the dog lick off the table and you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, let's get into the fact that Ross has only been gone to London for um, you know, you had said a year. I was thinking it was probably closer to uh, six to nine months because the letters started in uh, October. And then he, when he's back in Cornwall and he tells uh, the boys that the summer recess is going to be starting and he can give the uh, mine a few months so they can pursue the wheel uh maiden workings so i was thinking okay about six months six nine months when when they also doing the line fishing which is typically something you would do at the end of summer yeah well you know hashtag product time exactly so okay we figure it's anywhere between six months and a year that he's been gone and the children have aged twice that since the last time he (laughs) saw them you know it's um, like when Ross went to France for like a week and then Demelza's mad. <laughs> Her bump grew eight months. <laughs> I mean, timelines, people. Timelines. You know, we joke about hashtag Poldark time a lot here, but this is getting absurd. Um, you know, it, it kind of along the lines of the soap operas where, you know, you have little kids and then all of a sudden they're back from college and we're supposed to believe that. You know, uh, but there's got to be someone on staff that's got some project management skills. Throw this shit into a Gantt chart, for fuck's sake. Okay? Let's let's have some consistency here. <sighs> yeah, I agree. It was so disturbing to see Jeffrey Charles this tall. And I agree with Rita <laughs> with regards to Heidi Reed looking like, uh, more like his sister and not so much like his mother. 
because um, how, how many? No, it doesn't matter how many times you go to the gym, how many green juices you drink. There's no way in hell you look that fresh when you have the child that is this big. <laughs> Come on. Okay, storylines. Let's talk about Ross in London. <laughs> um, the speeches were on point. Uh, I I uh, love uh, Rita. I think you were the one that mentioned. Uh, you know when you said they were utilizing the fiery speechifying Ross trope too much. Um, you know, I, I think I'm on that train with you now. I mean, uh, how much more tingly would it have been if those were the first speeches that we'd heard from Ross in a while, as opposed to, you know, having had that reminder during the hanging scene? Yeah, because they, they were very good speeches. I wish they hadn't been, like, breezed past in a small montage at the start of the episode. I mean, all in all, I think there was way too little time spent in London, and I know they want to save a little for later in the season, but to have the separation be over so quickly undermined a little of the emotional intensity of that reunion. I can't miss Ramelza if they're not apart. <laughs> yeah, I was underwhelmed by uh, how the Ross in London storyline was uh, portrayed um, given how much they were talking about it, leading to some big changes for Ross and, and his life in Cornwall, I didn't feel like he spent that much time away. I mean, if it wasn't for the letters that we saw him exchange with uh, with Demelza, we could think he was there for just a week and then the job was done. Don't go home. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Oh, oh, gosh. Okay, how about uh, George and Elizabeth? I don't like George, but... Uh, I had fun watching him this week because he's clearly found his match with Elizabeth and it was nice to see them so uh, uh, with so much complicity. So. Yeah. Good. Judge uh, and Elizabeth were one of the highlights of the episode for me too. I love a couple who scheme together and they just bonded over their joint mission to get Georgia Burrow. And it's nice, <laughs> it's nice to see Elizabeth using her powers for evil for some reason. It endears me more to her because... I think deep down, this is more in line with her desires and goals. Oh yeah, I mean this is this is who she is, who she has always wanted to be. Um, and did you see the look on her face when Adderley told her that her beauty was legendary? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she was just like, "Damn straight, mm-hmm, recognize." <laughs> you know, for a, for a woman whose first love is admiration. Okay, she loves your kids more but you know work with me here um monk adderley ticked off all the boxes in one go um and speaking of monk adderley oh my god monk adderley so hot i'm a very confused woman right now (laughs) (laughs) i know right I, i i he can't help but smolder in every single scene that he is on the screen um i didn't get that from the the photos of max bennett that you know they showed early on while they were filming season four it didn't come across in the photos but holy crap (laughs) it was just like damn did did it get warm in here all of a sudden (laughs) (laughs) yeah i saw him i was like hi handsome i like you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, he's he's one of those 
Ooh, God, you're really, really good looking, but you kind of scare me, and I don't know if I like that very much. But I don't know, maybe in some perverse little part of my brain. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, he um, wow. I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. Please. <laughs> and I, okay. I, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, let, let's move on before we get really super sidetracked. <laughs> okay, so, Romelza. What yeah. What do you think? Thank God. Okay, get me back to Romelza. This is, this is, this is why I'm here. Okay, um... I really love the tentative nature that came through loud and clear from the minute he came home. Even though he did, you know, like, as you said, Rita, ball things up um, <laughs> by saying, you look thinner. That's like, just what every lady wants to hear. It didn't quite jibe, however, with the passionate, desperate kissing that took place at the crossroads when he left for London in last week's episode. But I can live with it. Um, you know, uh, the separation made them question things more. You know, once once the reality of that separation hit, then that's when the doubts come. Um, although, say, I, I will say that I wish Demelza would answer a question when asked, rather than to continue to turn it around into a question for Ross. It happened all the time in Series 3, and again... We've seen it in the first two episodes of series four. You know, Ross will ask a question and then she'll say, I don't know. How about for you, Ross? You know, it, and it's it's that kind of thing. It It's anyway. Honestly, I think a lot of that is just because Debbie maybe realized they didn't have any of these discussions after Ross cheated. <laughs> and they're That's trying true. to retroactively fill in the blanks here. That's um, true. That's true. I yeah. I also enjoyed their scenes, even if Ross suffered from foot and mouth syndrome at the start. I actually find that quite funny this time. <laughs> um, and I'm glad they're solving it with good old fashioned sex marathons. Like, keep it real, Romelza. <laughs> keep it real. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought Ross being in London would actually serve the couple. Uh, to have some time on their own, but uh, I loved how they still maintained that connection through letters and uh, more <laughs> when Ross came back because uh, we might think that she would have jumped into his arms, uh, how she was talking, like, uh, when are you coming back? Uh, we missed you. And um, so, <laughs> for those who've not read the books, <laughs> hashtag bear with me. Um, <laughs> but it obviously felt more realistic to have Demelza being her good old passive aggressive self, but I was still hoping for. Um, a more a warmer um, welcome, but it's it's full dark. Yeah, maybe I, he would have got one if he hadn't been like you look thin. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but here's the here's the thing, and I I will go into a uh, in the books uh, reference. You know, Ross oftentimes um, worries about her being too thin, um, and. You know, remember every time that, and I think if I remember correctly, uh, he does say something along those lines uh, in the book when he sees her again after he's been gone. I don't know if it's in this book or if it's in a, another book down the line, uh, but, you know, 
that's kind of Ross's way of being concerned about her health. I still love the last scene, though, not for the reasons that we think, but it was uh, kind of reminding yeah. us of this talking scene. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it like this did. talking scene 2.0. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, and, and, you know, Rita, you mentioned in the recap, um, uh, when you did the recap notes that, you know, his helping her with the second earring uh, looked a hell of a lot sexier than it sounded, <laughs> and it did. Um, you know, it was, it was really... Yeah, it was a really well done scene. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was great. Okay, moving on. Still about Ross, but his relationship <laughs> with the miners. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, another moment of doubt coming through with his old buddies at the mine, and I, I have to admit, I do like seeing Ross a little uncertain of his footing with with folks after being gone it shows a a vulnerability that we haven't seen with ross um in his character um but remember the riot in series three you know they they were you know we were all what the fucking over the fact that Thali and the gang were all but shoving ross towards the government job you know, you know, they were all just like, you know, Ross, you need to, be, you know, go and defend us and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, yeah, guess what? He did it and reality bites, y'all. This is what I said last time. Is season three an alternate reality? Because they seem to have done a 180 anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> the collective amnesia that undertook the miners defied belief and all common sense. Ross has been gone in London for roughly 12 minutes of screen time, so to have everyone do such an abrupt change on him was just bizarre. Especially Zachy Martin. I was mostly confused uh, with him, because we know that uh, his son was hung um, recently, but I thought he would be happier to see Ross uh, back uh, from London uh, after all the political activities that he undertook, because uh, we know that uh, part of his motivation to do politics is because of what happened recently so i don't know it was just uh, i it was a swing and a miss for me then i just didn't it didn't ring true and that was just a bit of ham-fisted plotting so and it was all fixed was not, with a fight oh god yes <laughs> one good brawl and everybody's buddy buddy again because guys I don't know. <laughs> we don't have enough <laughs> testosterone. Yeah, we we just don't we don't we don't get it. So <laughs> I suppose it's male bonding. Speaking <sighs> of the whole oh. Drake Rosina Sam thing. Yeah. Um I thought the the scenes with the three of them worked really well, you know, with Sam kind of poking at Drake, you know, you know, Rosina would be a really good catch for you. I thought that 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 scene worked really well uh, between Sam and Drake. I loved the scene with Rosina looking cute and adorable and flirty with Drake. And, you know, I I loved Sam's efforts at matchmaking, but still, it's Drake. <laughs> yeah. Drake doesn't warrant all these people fussing after him, to be honest. Just don't waste your time, Demelza and Sam. If he wants to be a sad sacked, I'd, I'd just let him. Rosina deserves better. <laughs> yeah, she does. Um, yeah, the only, uh, I would say, the only 
upside about this um, the storyline is that it involves Sam again. <laughs> Yay! So, yes. On MIA this week. Yes. Uh, and I just love how, how much he loves his brother and how much he wants him to be happy. And uh, I was already shipping uh, Drake and Rosina, but Drake is making it really hard to root for him with anyone else besides his miserable <laughs> self, so... Don't have with him at this point. Christ. Uh, yeah, really? seriously. Really? She's better off with, uh, no, not with Ozzy. Oh, no, not with Ozzy, no. <laughs> with her child. Yes. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> <sighs> and let's see. Let's talk about something that, that we adore. A little bit of Caroline and Dwight. Yay! <laughs> they were bloody perfect. Um... Like I said, I love the little nose nuzzle that that um, Dwight gives Caroline whenever he goes in to give her a kiss or something like that. It's 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 something that I've noticed that uh, Luke Norris does, um, and it's just the most adorable thing on the planet. I love it. Um, and the scene where Dwight first notices something is not quite right with Sarah was actually harrowing because you could see in his eyes just this this fear um you know when he brought her over to the light and was looking at her face it was just it was harrowing yeah oh god and what i noticed on my third rewatch <laughs> three times people um was the the dwight caroline scene where um, she's born mirrors almost exactly the one from when Julie is born. <laughs> yes, like a knife to the gut. <laughs> realizing uh, that. Yes, <sighs> just oh, in general, I'm finding this a bit of a disappointment because they deserve much more screen time, and this storyline deserves more than what we're getting at the moment. It completely shortchanges the emotional impact. No matter how amazing Gabriella and Luke are, and they are, they can't work miracles and get us all emotionally invested. Uh, and not as much as we should be in such a small amount of time. Especially because the previews make it look like this will be a basic, basic one and done type of storyline. Yeah, from what you guys are saying, I'm really scared that we might get a Julia 2.0 situation, um, especially by the look of next week's episode. So can someone please tell me what the F is wrong with Sarah? I mean, you guys, I know you guys will tell me when we're off air because no spoilers, but still, I want to know. <laughs> yes, we will tell you. We will tell you. I'm we sure promise. that they'll mention it in next week's episode as well, to be honest. Absolutely. Okay. Well, moving on. Let's talk about Ozzy, Rowella, and Morwenna. <laughs> the triangle that won't die. <laughs> oh, gosh. I delight whenever I see these three. <laughs> and by this, I mean the, the three actors playing the part. Um, Christian Brassington looked absolutely ravenous when he saw Rowella in town, and then again at her house, and not in a good way. Um, you know, because... You know, we know it's not going to be very pleasant to watch. Uh, and we know that we're probably going to wind up getting that next week. Um, and I loved how Merwenna stood up to her husband, too, despite his threats. Um, I thought that that, that, was, that was really good performing uh, performances uh, from, from everybody. Um, she is starting to look a little rough around the edges, though, which is appropriate at this point 
and you'll see why. Well, the, the previews give you a little taste as to, to what's going on in Ozzy's mind. I continue to also adore Rowella, <laughs> like more than I really should. Probably more than Moana. I don't know. Um, it's just refreshing to see a woman with agency in the saga, even if her choices are morally dubious. <laughs> just like <love> her. <laughs> yeah. I agree that Christian Bessington is making it really, really, really hard to loathe Ozzy because I'm at a, this point right now where I just laugh <laughs> whenever he delivers a line and the facial expressions. I mean, bless you, Christian. <laughs> We're so lucky to have you on this show. Oh my His god. His theme with I mean, Jack when... Farthing this week was just one of my Ugh. favorites. Oh, so funny. Wasn't that delicious? Yeah, I think we're so blessed because I think if they had cast another actor, it might have, you know, looked uh, maybe over the top. But he just brings all the nuances that just make you just, (laughs) I just love it. Yeah. And I love when, you know, Ross wakes up in the the carriage and (laughs) and he's like, ha ha, hold on. (laughs) And the look on Ross's face is like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh god favorite bless scenes. you favorite scenes and any scene with christian brassington in it uh, i loathe the character his delivery sweet lord it's a dream to witness uh and besides that the last scene with ross and demelza in the kitchen and not for the reason everyone thinks <laughs> <laughs> although that was very nice <laughs> um it <laughs> It was another opportunity for them to have a real conversation about the uncertainties they've both felt for a long, long time. And I thought that Aiden and Eleanor delivered it brilliantly. And it was hot. There. I said it. There you go. Said it. Okay. For me, it was definitely that scene in the carriage, Christian Bressington and Aiden Turner. <laughs> It's like a highlight of my life, to be honest. And the way Aiden yes. says, because he does all the work, just killed me. And then Ozzy's face just sank. And he kept looking over at that woman in the carriage who was eavesdropping. <laughs> like, oh, pure magic. So funny. I agree. That was the best comedic bit. <laughs> I bursted out laughing. I just thought, bless you guys, bless you. I just want them to have more scenes together. And, um, <laughs> and um, apart from this one, uh, like I said, I'm not the biggest Drake fan, but I love the relationship he has with Sam. And so I loved when Sam was in cahoots with uh, Melza um, for him to give it a shot with Rosina. Um, but apparently everyone wants Drake to be happy except Drake, so... What is it to be done? And uh, But I also love the, the family sequences at Nampara, um, where we had Romelza, the children, Caroline. Uh, I think Caroline had given birth already. Uh, yes, yeah, so with Sarah and uh, Prudy. So. And the dogs. So nice. yeah. Oh, yes. yes. Sorry. Forgot about we, the dogs. We got yes, lots dogs. of... Yeah, we got a lot. We've been getting more Garrick yes. um, this season. So I'm, I'm happy about that. And Horace... We had Horace. Horace guarding baby Sarah. Guarding baby Sarah and kind of looking a little put off by all the attention that he was no longer getting. Bless him. What a sweet little puggy face. Yes. I mean, as for Lee's favorite scenes, gotta go with the time. (laughs) Classic. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
Drake at the well. <laughs> oh, which of course. Made of me course. furious. Uh, Kimmy wished to make himself more interesting because, dear lord, do his scenes not bring anything to the table. <sighs> at least Booker Drake was more reasonable about moving on from Wenner. I think Debbie is just far too scared to show Drake turn towards Rosina to the extent that he did in the novels for fear it might tarnish the ship. Um, Honestly, it would probably make him 100% more interesting and give Drake some complexity that he is severely lacking, but I am yeah. not holding my breath. Yeah, uh, totally agree with you, Rita. Um, it's you know, I can't think of another woman while Morwenna lives. I mean, Predict. talk about melodramatic codswallop. I mean, it was that was it was embarrassing, and it was just digging him into a hole where, you know, you know, if and when he should decide that he's going to think about a future with Rosina, it's really going to make that gear shift a pretty ugly one to try and accomplish should have backed up off the gas a little bit exactly um on that um so that it would appear that it would that there was a possibility of it happening because right now you know he should just run off and become a priest at this point yeah i i love that scene where where sam was like but she's married and has a child <laughs> when he was like, right? but what about <laughs> like, Have some common sense. Yeah. It's like, what's been, what's done is done and it can't be undone. Undone. You know? <laughs> yep. Damn dude. So how many tricorns would you give this week's episode out of five and why? Uh, for me, it's 2.5, um, which is, it's half. It's a bit of a middle-of-the-road episode for me, because it wasn't... Like, I'm not as pissed off as I was last year. It wasn't about bad storytelling, and that wasn't bothering me or anything, but I was a bit... I was a bit bored off my ass in the middle. The middle of the episode was like, oh my god, is this ever ending? I think that's a sign of a pretty poor structured season. Give me a little meat in each of the episodes. Like, there was so much happening last week, and seemingly very little or weirdly like too much if you know what i mean there was so much yeah there was so much that it diluted what could have been much juicier yeah um what a uh, much juicier plot they just there was so much going on it was hard to kind of land on the action what and the plotting happen? and like the story like, and what? and that kind of thing yeah I mean, weren't you telling me that as you were doing the recap, it was just like, oh my god, it's just all over the place. Oh my you know? god, it it caught every 30 seconds or so, and it was tiring to try and keep up. Um, If you're writing notes for every scene, like it just took me ages to do. So I had to try and condense some of the storylines, but <sighs> I hate when that happens. Like, I shouldn't be having to skip around this much. Well, um... I'm at a 3.5, which is up uh, half a point for me last week. Uh, you know, hey, Hugh is dead and buried, if not entirely forgotten, which was probably the reason why it spiked up uh, a little <laughs> bit. Um, I'm just, I'm God, I'm glad he's gone. He didn't even um, have a funeral. <laughs> off screen, maybe. Fine <laughs> with me. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, we had some serious delicious Romelza, so that was another reason for me to, to go up a bit. Uh, a tiny taste of gorgeousness in London, and then we had the party at Trendwith, because, you know, Mama likes a fancy party. Um, and uh, all of that, all of that really helped. Um, however, you know, as you mentioned, Rita, the, the pacing, uh, that we had, the continued B-rolling of Dwight and Caroline's st- uh, storyline, uh, the ridiculous aging up of the kids, um, you really kept it from being a four for me. There were just, there was just way too many things for me to just go, what the fuck? <laughs> um, that's a four for me. Again, I'm easy to satisfy. Uh, I love the Ross scenes uh, with the Melza, with Dwight, uh, with the miners at the beach, at the pub. Uh, I loved seeing a bit of London. I loved seeing Caroline's happiness, which will probably be cut short. Uh, and uh, Verity, because uh, every time we see Verity, we think everything's going to be okay, at least for a moment. And then it just drops again. So. <laughs> <laughs> just crushes your will to live. I know. There you go. We ran the whole <laughs> gambit from, yeah, it was okay to loved it. You're getting yeah, everything. Exactly. Um, exactly. So, so we've got Critics Corner. It's time again for yeah. this week's Critics Corner, where we read out some of our favorite quotes from the nation's television critics and see how they aligned with our views of the episode. Okay, so let's begin with the Telegraph's review by Gérard O'Donovan, who agreed with Rita, obviously from the title alone. Does anyone else think there's just too much going on? Yes, Gérard, we do. He continues, As much as I enjoy Poldark, three episodes into this fourth series and I'm finding myself a little bored. It's not for lack of incident. Already, we've had so much. All the usual love wrangles between Ross and Demelza. The death of a major character. Major? Yes. Major. Uh, Major. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh, A courtroom drama and a thumping political victory against George, boo, his Warlegan. Yet, it still feels sketchy and underdeveloped, as if we're stuck in the early stages of a jigsaw puzzle, with lots of pieces scattered about, but no current picture yet emerging. He gave the episode three stars. Okay, and The Guardian's review by Viv Gruskop took a similar stance. Quote, this was a slightly time-wasting episode, redeemed by some beautiful lighting and cinematography. It would have been greatly enhanced by a lot more insight into the home life of Cindy Doll and Dr. Ennis. <laughs> Still, this is how it goes when you get into a series. Seeds are being sown and things have to be dragged out a little. We can't be hyperventilating every Sunday night. Uh, Louisa Mellor's review for Den of Geek was more positive. After months of swapping lonely letters, Ross's return to Demelza proved underwhelming. He ballsed it up by intimating that while he'd been away, she'd been gadding about picking daisies rather than keeping the home and mine and farms fires burning. Uh, that was all solved, though, by a new pair of earrings and a good going over on the kitchen table, just like old times. Uh, thawing the ice with the boys took a different approach. An old-fashioned comic strip punch-up with the crockers from Luggin, uh, into which Ross gleefully jumped, kicking bums and throwing punches until their aggressors ran scared, and everyone declared each other the best of friends. 
I believe we've been here before, Ross, admitted Zacky ruefully. They had. We've all been here before, back in series one, of which this episode felt pleasantly reminiscent. The mine was in trouble, Ross was plotting to bankrupt Ross, or George was plotting to bankrupt Ross, Verity and Elizabeth played cards, Demelza and Master Ross were all over each other on the work surfaces. It was comfortingly familiar, especially in light of Ross's announcement at the end of the previous episode that his winning a seat in Parliament would mean everything will change. We don't watch Poldark for change. We watch it to escape change. We watch it for coastline galloping and romance and heartbreak set against the sort of natural backdrop they paint on ornamental milk churns. Not change. Never that. Nobody mentioned the new Jeffrey Charles. Please, I've decided to ignore it. <laughs> Let's move on to messages. Yes. And again, thank you to everyone who joined our live tweeting of the episode. We will return next Sunday at 9 p.m. GMT. This time, expect a full-on mental breakdown from Rita. Should be good for some laughs. Speaking of Twitter... Yes, we got a tweet from Brenda Louise saying, Sorry, but found this week's episode rather disjointed and a bit disappointing. Hashtag samesies. Yes! Uh, we had a couple messages on Instagram. So from Paul Dark, please. Uh, said, loved all the character and relationship developments. So many brilliant moments. Hint, hint, kitchen, kitchen table. Um, another message from Adenor Turnlinson. Hmm, I like your <laughs> username. Um, also said, uh, kitchen table with heart eyes emojis. And uh, finally, Addicted Paul Dark said a nice nod to full Durham, perhaps. Hashtag kitchen table magic. <laughs> I completely <laughs> forgot about that until I saw your tweet. That is perfect. I it's perfect. did not get this reference and had to Google it. God, how many baseball movies did Kevin Costner make? <laughs> <laughs> he made a lot, but Bull Durham is by far the best. Uh, it's, it's just delightful. Trust me. Gonna get on that. Uh, let's see. On Tumblr, we have Catherine Jane Wade said, while I enjoyed the episode overall, I couldn't concentrate on any of the scenes that had any of the children in them. They all <laughs> magically aged up about three years, AKA two more years. And they should have pull dark time strikes again. Oh my God. Yes. <gasps> okay, so we had an email from Absolutely Addicted Poldarkey who said, The introduction of Monk Adelie, Max Bennett's portrayal of the snake is exactly that sl slowly slithering, infiltrating, set to strike. So kudos to this talented actor. And the introduction of Ozzy's mommy, dearest. <laughs> uh, Lady Whitworth, portrayed by Rebecca Front. Yikes, we can already see she's a force to be reckoned with. Promo Wena. Evil George and buying his way into a seat in Parliament. Jack Farthing, where would Poldark be without you in your wonderful characterization? And finally, Ozzy and his foot fetish and Rowella. <laughs> and Rowella, Christian Bressington has done a superb job with his portrayal of this disgusting, violent, deviant character. Yes. And she continued agreed. with what I did not like. Sam's missing characterization from the books. There is so much more to his character than we're seeing. Ross now being considered an, a, quote, outsider by his mining band of brothers. Really? Ross, <laughs> Ross's appearance at Trenwith. Idiot. <laughs> Trademark. 
And Elizabeth being too nice about it. In the books, wasn't she horrified? She was indeed. And yes, she was. Drake's choice in... Drake's choice to live in absolute misery rather than to be with someone as wonderful as Rosina and the show's continued focus on the Drake Moena storyline. Side note, is Rosina wonderful? We haven't seen her in two seasons. I think we're all just desperate for him to move on that we're imagining <laughs> these qualities that Rosina doesn't possess. Yes, she can make a hat. What else can she do? <laughs> anyway... Continuing, the, quote, mutant product children. What the hell happened in six months? Demelza, so exactly what are you feeding them? And Geoffrey Charles. Must be something in the London water. What is he, 35 now? Oh yeah, hashtag product <laughs> time. Even though it was beautifully acted when Dwight is holding baby Sarah, takes her to the window and his deep look of concern... I cannot deal. Sad face. Yes. Yes. <sighs> now, let's take a look at the trailer for episode four in series four. My wife, she's beyond help and will be better off in an institution. I want to leave you. You cannot wish that. Where's Ross? All that remains is to step into his seat. How hard can that be? What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. Oh, Let's see. Here's an episode description. Ross, Sam, and Dwight race to the rescue when blasting in the mines causes a disastrous flood. Ozzy does not realize that Rowella's husband has become suspicious of his constant visits as he makes plans to have Morwenna committed to an asylum. As you do. Uh, exactly. Um, a tragedy strikes Dwight and Caroline, while Emma returns with her answer for Sam, but not one he wants to hear. Drake is persuaded into courting Rosina, and George buys the borough of St. Michael, allowing him to seize the opportunity to return to Westminster. So, what are you looking forward to next week? Nothing. 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 This is going to hurt me. <laughs> I'm in physical pain just reading that description. Oh. Somebody what. order up some Thorazine darts for Rita, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, there's nothing that I can say at this moment because it's hashtag chock full of spoilers. So we're just going to have to wait and suffer. Yeah. And on that note of suffering, we've reached the end of the show. But we will be back next week recapping and discussing episode 4. So if you want to get involved, then follow us at Poldark Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Message us on our Tumblr or email at poldarkpodcast at gmail.com. And you can be read out on the podcast. Okay, thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye! -bye. Bye.